The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Hewitt podcast available every morning on Apple, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's Thursday the 15th of February in London. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, Israel quits ceasefire negotiations as fears grow about its new Gaza offensive. Vladimir Putin says Joe Biden would be a better US president for Russia. Plus, why a shortage of dollars is driving international companies out of Africa's largest economy. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has broken off Gaza ceasefire talks, calling Hamas's demands delusional. The Iran-backed group wants the total withdrawal of Israeli troops from Gaza before it releases hostages. It comes as key allies urge Israel not to go ahead with a planned offensive in the southern part of the Strip, with more than a million Palestinians sheltering in Rafah. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is one of the leaders who's calling on Israel not to go further. Uh, the situation right now in, in Gaza and in the Middle East in general is, uh, uh, is dire. And the extra pressures of the, uh, the threats uh, to, uh, to more action on, on Rafah uh, has everyone deeply worried. We need to see stabilization in, in the region, peace, and we need to work on the two-state solution. It is the only way to ensure uh, durable peace and safety. Despite Trudeau's words, Netanyahu had initially refused to send an Israeli delegation to the talks at all, but eventually agreed to do so following pressure from US President Joe Biden. Vladimir Putin says that Joe Biden would be a more experienced, predictable leader than Donald Trump. Here is the Russian president speaking to state television about who would be the better US president for Russia. We've added a translator. Biden. Biden. He is the more experienced person. He is predictable. He is a politician of the old formation. But we will work with any U.S. leader who the American people have confidence in. Back in 2016, Putin publicly praised the other frontrunner, Donald Trump. The former president is now campaigning to turn military aid to Ukraine into a loan and scale back America's NATO commitments. One of the heads of the country stood up and said, does that mean that if we don't pay the bills that you're not going to protect us? I said, that's exactly what it means, exactly. I'm not going to protect you. Trump's comments have rattled leaders in NATO. European defence companies' shares rose yesterday after the military alliance said that a record 18 out of the organisation's 31 members would meet their goal of spending 2% on G- uh, 2% of GDP on defence. 
Japan unexpectedly slipped into recession last year after GDP contracted at an annualised rate of 0.4% in the fourth quarter. The weaker-than-expected figures will complicate the Bank of Japan's case for the first rate hike there since 2007. Only one out of 34 economists surveyed by Bloomberg had expected a contraction in the quarter. It also means that Germany now overtakes Japan to become the world's third-largest economy. Andrew Bailey says that weaker-than-expected January inflation leaves the Bank of England where it was in relation to inflation. However, the central bank chief did also say that recent figures were welcome. The reason that we were expecting a small tick-up in inflation this month was because because of these so-called annual base effects, which are in the sort of arithmetic, because they're basically a sort of mirror image of what went on a year ago. So they were there. I mean, nothing's changed on those. They're in the arithmetic. So what it means is that there were some more other things going on which were putting, putting more downward, downward pressure on it than we expected. So that's good news. Bailey added that January's positive data is offset by an upside inflation surprise in December. He told the House of Lords Economic Affairs Committee that caution is needed as services inflation in the UK and pay growth are still too high. Airbus has reported adjusted EBIT for the fourth quarter that missed the average analyst estimate. The European aerospace giant is also planning a €1 per share special dividend in addition to the regular €1.80 per share dividend. The manufacturer, which has grappled with supply chain challenges, says it expects 2024 deliveries of about 800 planes versus an estimate of 826. And lastly, at least one person has been killed and more than 20 others wounded after a shooting at a parade in Kansas City celebrating the winners of the US Super Bowl. Thousands of people were on the streets of the city at the time and the injured included children. Three people, including two who were armed, have been detained. Quinton Lucas, the mayor of Kansas City, paid tribute to the emergency services. As I was leaving the scene, I saw members of our Kansas City Fire Department administering aid to folks who are seriously injured without concern for the shootings and the challenges that were near them. This is absolutely a tragedy, the likes of which we would have never expected in Kansas City. That was the Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas. President Biden has called for a ban on assault weapons following the shooting. In a moment, we'll be discussing the big issues facing NATO at their meeting today, plus why a shortage of foreign currency is driving international companies out of Nigeria. But another story has caught our eye this morning, and it's all about Cathy Wood. Bloomberg Opinion columnist Julie Rowan has been writing about Wood, saying that her ARK ETF has topped a chart of wealth destruction after wiping out more than $14 billion in shareholder value in the past decade. But... Shuli Ren writes investors are largely sticking with her. And that is because Cathy Wood is a good storyteller. Now, she did get it right with her bet on Tesla Mm. in 2018. She's tried to sell her reasoning for missing the rally in NVIDIA, for Mm -hmm. example, in between. But even massive losses, Shuli Ren writes, can be turned into a positive spin at ARC. Uh, Cathy Wood talking about the tax advantages of having those losses on their books. So this is something... Shuli Ren in this piece is writing about having a good track record as any part of the picture when yeah. investors are picking who to manage their money. Past returns aren't an indication well, of future that's, performance. Yes, that's why, so sometimes a good fundraiser doesn't even need to be a great asset manager. Shuli Ren says she can just be 
more interesting. Yes, and uh, but that's the thing, isn't it? When you buy into a star investor, I suppose you're you're buying into the, to the possibility that their hunch is going to deliver really outsized returns. You know, so it's not sort of uh, yeah, like like buying another tracker fund, I suppose. But look, it's uh, a really good piece, and Shirley Wren writes so beautifully uh, and interestingly. So have a read of it on the Bloomberg Terminal. The NATO defence ministers are meeting in Brussels today to discuss the security challenges facing the alliance. This is former US President and current Republican frontrunner Donald Trump has raised questions over transatlantic cooperation on defence. Our news director for EMEA, Rosalyn Matheson, joins us now for more. Good morning to you, Ros. Um, of course, security challenges very much in focus today, but I wanted to start with the events in the Middle East that we've been following and Israel pulling out of these negotiations over a ceasefire. How significant is this? Well, it's interesting to see the comments yesterday by the Israeli officials saying they no longer want to take part in these meetings that have been happening in Egypt. Of course, Egypt and Qatar have been working to facilitate uh, the flow of information between Israel and Hamas and trying to get both sides towards a ceasefire that could see the war uh, in Gaza come to a close. And Israel now says it does not intend uh, to continue with those talks, uh, says that Hamas is not negotiating in good faith. Uh, but, but the big takeaway from that really is that the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is determined to go ahead at some point in the near future with a full ground offensive uh, into Rafah. And of course, that's that very narrow part of, of the southern part of the Gaza Strip that borders Egypt, where there are estimates of over a million people currently bunched up. But he intends to go in there fairly soon either way, because these ceasefire talks are now off the table. Yeah, um, this uh, then on the latest when it comes to Israel, but also we have, and this will be in the minds surely of NATO leaders too, because it's not just the situation in the Middle East that is um, so difficult and tentative, but also what's happening in um, Ukraine. You know, the boldness of Vladimir Putin, as we mentioned this morning, he's weighed in on the US uh, presidency even, the prospect of Trump returning, unsettling NATO allies, and this big question... Can Europe defend itself? Well, that's right. You can see all these threads are coming into one at this meeting of NATO defence ministers. A lot of fundamental questions, really, for NATO to look at. But again, it's the unknown factor of who will be president uh, after the end of this year. Will it be Donald Trump, who's threatened yet again uh, to withdraw funding for NATO to pull the US out of the collective defence understandings that really underpin NATO for many decades, uh, and will he try and negotiate a quick deal, uh, as far as he sees fit at least, to end Russia's war in Ukraine? Those things are all hanging in the ether as the ministers meet. But there's also the question, you know, of what Vladimir Putin himself wants. Does he want to negotiate an end to the war in Ukraine? Does he feel that he's going to achieve his goals on the ground if he continues uh, with that conflict? Is he interested in coming to the table, and if so, when? So there's a lot of things we don't know about all of that, including the current intentions of the Russian president. Of course, he's going into an election fairly soon that he's widely expected to win. So you're looking at another term, at least, for Vladimir Putin. So will he be dealing with Donald Trump or will he be dealing with Joe Biden? One of the questions that Donald Trump raised recently relevant to NATO was around defence spending. And we learned that now 18 of the 31 NATO members are spending 2% of GDP on defence. How big an issue is spending at this NATO meeting? 
Well, we're seeing efforts to increase defence spending across the board. Of course, for decades, NATO uh, members didn't really spend a lot on their defence in Europe. They just didn't see it as a priority. They focused on other areas of their economies. And so it was a pretty hard start to pick up some of the spending after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But some countries have definitely done it. There's been an increase in spending, in investment in their domestic uh, defence business. They want to be able to produce weapons at a much faster rate than previously. But as you say, if, if 18 out of 31 uh, are meeting that, that goal, but plenty of others aren't, that really mm. does show that there's a long way to go. And certainly yeah. that does open the way again for Donald Trump to continue to attack NATO as a whole. Rosalind, thank you so much for being with us this morning. That is Bloomberg's News Director for EMEA, Rosalind Matheson, as NATO defence ministers meet in Brussels later today. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Let's go to Nigeria next, where a sustained slump in the value of the currency is among the factors driving global businesses out of Africa's largest economy. Our Nigeria Bureau Chief, Anthony Osei-Brown, joins us now for more. Anthony, good morning to you. Why is Nigeria having a dollar crisis? Nigeria has had a number of policy missteps uh, in the last eight years, uh, and that has been compounded by low oil production. Uh, and that's the main export for Nigeria. It accounts for about 80% of foreign, uh, foreign exchange income. But the country has not been able to meet its uh, OPEC quota in the last two years. So dollars have not come in, and that has uh, led to a scarcity, which has affected companies. Yeah. Mm. So then how has it affected individuals and companies? Yeah, so for most individuals, if you were, most banks have deactivated the use of uh, Naira cards outside the country. That basically means if you have to travel outside the country, you need to source your own dollars. And then for companies, most of them are unable to pay for inputs because they don't have the dollars. The, uh, the central bank can't give them enough dollars to pay company uh, pay their for their inputs. And then also, most significantly, they can pay for a lot of their um, uh, they can pay, repay foreign loans. They can also uh, re, uh, re, repatriate profits, and that has really impacted on them. Yeah. Why are the problems so severe that the companies are actually choosing to leave the country then? What sort of scale are we talking about? Yeah, it, the scale is heavy. As at uh, early this year, we're talking of backlog of dollars. Uh, that's the overdue uh, payments as high as $10 billion. So, if you can 
repay inputs. If as a, co a company, you can pay for your inputs and you can repatriate profits and you can't, uh, what's it called, repay foreign loans. And then besides that, because there's no enough dollars, the local currency has depreciated so much, uh, eroding local uh, purchasing power. So even those that you can, the amount of goods you can produce locally, you find it difficult to sell. So the macroeconomic environment just became too difficult for most of them. The, the combination of issues became just too difficult for them. And so most of them decided to just uh, pack their bags and leave. Mm. So then what's the government doing to try to resolve this issue? Yeah, so we had a new gov a new president uh, May last year, and he just basically abandoned a lot of the unorthodox practices that the previous government has uh, introduced. We turned off a lot of investors, and that has uh, sort of like, he has he has liberalized the market. Foreign exchange is trying to push for a completely floating, uh, floated currency now. And that has attracted a lot of interest from foreign investors. And so there's hope that uh, some of the foreign investors that turned off, were turned off Nigerian market, Nigeria, the Nigerian market will start uh, looking at the market again. What is the, the expectation or is there an expectation that the country's foreign exchange issues could be resolved soon? Yes, there's, there's, there's some rising expectation, but then that depends on, but that expectation is based on the government remaining consistent on the current and uh, the reforms, which is started May last year, and which has gone on for some time now, so which has intensified in the last three weeks. So there's an expectation, rising expectation that if the government sticks to it, then the dollar scarcity, people will start bringing in dollars back into the country. The central bank governor said uh, two weeks no a week ago that's last week that up to one billion dollars have flown uh, has been uh, brought back into the country in the last one week or two weeks because of those reforms so there's hope that if they stick to the reforms and not uh, and don't succumb to pressures to go back to the unorthodox practices like uh, forest subsidies uh, naira peg that's uh, that drove away investors then possibly dollars will start coming into the country again this is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.